This is the Everybody's Talking at Once podcast for September 8th, 2018. Max Adosena is here to talk about Zero North, Zero West. Welcome to the Everybody's Talking at Once podcast. My name is Drew Messenger Michaels, and hey, thanks for being here, as always. So today I'm talking to Max Edosena, a.k.a. Color Fiction, about his thing that we will discuss, uh, Zero North, Zero West. It's a really neat game. I liked it. Uh, it's very different from a lot of the stuff I've been talking about lately, which makes it a really good thing to talk about here. So, yeah. Before I get to that, though, one quick thing. This episode sounds different. Uh, Max's audio sounds different in a way that I think is kind of amazing, and that will be immediately clear. My audio had to be uh, sort of salvaged from a pretty serious piece of hardware failure. Uh, Everything's fine, but you're going to notice the quality jumping around a little bit. The overall effect is very weird, kind of surreal, but not uninteresting, so uh, enjoy it. moment just hi thanks for taking the time man i appreciate it hey no worries yeah it's fine i um i i always enjoy talking about the game and yeah getting word out there can you hear me well or you sound great yeah okay awesome yeah i'm, I'm getting some ambient noise but that just adds flavor it's like a cool, summer night yeah yeah. <laughs> <Break> it. <laughs> cool. yeah where are you are you are you at your home or uh, uh yeah I, i'm in my house outside on the backyard so it's like uh you can see like a little bit of the the trees. <laughs> it's weirdly it's weirdly appropriate for the game, you know, that you're uh, that, that we're getting some crickets and you know. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Make it like really ambient. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. first, first off, just for anybody who's not familiar uh, with your work or this game in particular, what is Zero North Zero West? Um, sure. Um, so Zero North Zero West is a surreal exploration game where you're wandering through all these different dream worlds. And the ultimate objective is just to let go and get into this sort of meditative um, trance of relaxation. And it's just about exploring. You know, it's it's a game about sightseeing and uh, and visiting all these like wonderful environments. Yeah. So I, I've heard you say in other interviews that sort of what inspired it, or, or for your work to take this direction in general, was that you love video games, but sometimes the the video game parts of them can start to become a bummer. What we usually think of as gameplay. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I enjoy gameplay like every other person, but uh, I, what I love the most is, is being in another world, like experiencing that um, those virtual environments. Because like many, I mean, many of uh, games can put you to a place that you can't see in reality. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's all about like a world of imagination. Um, so I, I love exploring these places, and yes, uh, like, like you were saying, uh, in in many video games, to get from point a to point b you know how you have to level up like to level 10 otherwise you get killed by anything in the way right right <laughs> or or you have to do like 20 fetch quests before the you know the the main village unlocks and then you can go explore and uh so i i wanted to make a game that's just minimal it's just about the exploration and and you don't have to worry about any of that you're, you're just there and uh and you're just taking like a virtual vacation of sorts yeah, absolutely. It, it comes across, and it's it's interesting because the game kind of goes out of its way to not introduce 
like mechanics. You know what I mean? Like there, not only is there no set goal, but there's sort of no danger, right? Like there's yes. in dreams sometimes. You know, if you fall off something high, then you wake up or something. Or in this game, in some of the spaces, there are like you know cubes that can fall on you or things like that. Yeah, and that doesn't cause. So, sometimes if you fall, it causes you to sort of go to the next dream. The but next none dream. of that's none of that yeah. stuff pulls you out and, and like wakes you up fully, right? So it like exactly. it really yes. gives you sort of a a chill space to explore. Yes, it's it's always funny seeing uh, uh, like players in fairs or even like lead streams. It's like they're very careful of like any like high platforming or like <laughs> stairs, and they look down and they're like, "Oh, am I gonna die?" And then they like eventually like it takes a while for them to realize that they can just jump off and nothing's gonna happen. You know, it's we're like used to these like systems of all, all right. If you jump beyond a certain height, you're going to die no matter what, you know? Yeah, completely, completely. So, yeah, so you, you never want to explore fully beyond the, uh, the the rules that they give you. Um, but yeah, That's an interesting thought, right? Because that, that the, the thought, of course, in traditional game design is that the rewards and, and the punishments as well, right? Like the carrot and the stick, as they say, are about yeah. making you engage with the space. But I think it's totally true that in a game like this and, and, and in other, what sometimes get called walking simulators, you know, games like Proteus and, and things like that, the, the sort of lack of those stakes is exactly what makes them inviting. You know, I think especially for people, I mean, for, for people like you and me who like games but want something different, but also yes. for, especially perhaps for people who don't generally play games, who are turned off by the giant stat screen or the constant fear of death or something like that. Exactly, yeah. Whenever you talk to somebody else um, that doesn't usually play games, the reason is, is because of that. You know, it's all that backstory, the the time-sensitive mechanics that you always have to do, you know, either in combat or puzzling. It's 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 all these little things. And, um, and, and yeah, in, in a way, what I tried to do with Zero North Zero West was trying to broaden that, that horizon of the player base. And um, I, still, I still still need to have to do some work on that because, you know, I still depend on a keyboard and mouse, you know, or, 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 or a joystick. Um, so it's... Um, but yeah, I'm trying to do something really accessible, you know, and and and, and relaxing. Um, that that was the main goal because uh, when I was starting to work on it, I was like, all right, so maybe I should start introducing puzzles, you know, like you do this, mm -hmm. and then like maybe you open up another world, and then you do this, and then I was like, no, 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 you know what? I'm doing exactly what I didn't want to do. Yeah, 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 <laughs> sure. That you're making I'm, your game like the other games in a sense. Exactly. Yes, I'm putting these like borders uh, to Im uh, impede progress and exploration. Just for a sense of inner reward, and and the whole objective was not doing that. You know, it's like everything has to be open from the beginning, and that's what took a while. Was trying to figure out a way that, from the onset of the game, you can go in any direction. You know, and and how do you make gameplay mechanics that reward that, and and permit that? Because um, there's like a lot of things that you have to worry when when making a game. It's like, all right, I can only show a certain amount of the world. Otherwise, like the computer tanks, or I need to like start loading mm. things sequentially, or, or I can do some really high detailed like scenes, but if they're only like a room, you know, or a specific um, like scenery, and then everything else is like a billboard, you know, like a painting in the background to give the sense of detail. And uh, and when when from the beginning you're doing an entirely open world game where you can go in any direction. And and also some one man team. It was um, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I mean, Breath of the Wild couldn't have been made by one person or whatever, right? Like it's yeah yeah. Sure. Well, and so in this game, you can go in any direction, but what direction you're going in is sort of a blind choice. You're presented yeah. with so you're you're on a road trip. It starts with this kind of like you know full motion live action video thing of you leaving the city, like going on a road trip. 
uh, and you stop at a gas station and you walk into a movie theater and that you kind of get sucked in, right? Yes. And then you have all of these doors and you have no way of knowing which door goes where. I'm not sure if it's random or, you know, or what, but like you, you have, it, it expresses to you that there are a bunch of possibilities, but also that you should embrace not being in control of the order in yes. which you're going to experience them. And like, it even goes out of its way to break you of like the fear of falling because in some of the dreams you start out falling, right? And you just yeah. like go to the next one with no penalty or anything when you hit bottom, right? When you, when you get to the edge. Yes. Yeah. So um, it's so in that sense, it's really neat. So like the order, I think we talked about this a little bit when we met at a play NYC, but the, yes. the, uh, the order is randomized. Yeah. Uh, the order, yeah. The sequence of dreams that you're presented with whenever you load the game is randomized. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you always have a, a different succession or sometimes you have things that you've already seen. And, um, and you, you always start in that corridor with the many doors. And I mean, there's different variations of the corridor. There's like, uh, uh around 15 different corridors with different doors. But uh, there's always that start with the choices, and and, and as you were mentioning that um, that intro sequence with the town, that was the one I guess uh, quote unquote gamey thing I introduced, <laughs> because originally the game didn't have that. You know, it would just mm. you would just start and it started on a door. You know, and you walk through the door and it would lead to more doors. Mm. And uh, and I did a play test in um, EGX in England, and people were like, you know, like I really love this, but there should be like a slight intro, you know, like something mm. to put me in the mood. And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a perfectly um, valid thing because it's it builds suspense, you know, you're there and, and all of a sudden you're in this in other dimension and it, it sort of explains that transition from one world into another world. And, um, but that's why it's also optional. When you load up the game, you know, you have the book or you have the doors. <laughs> you can start with the doors right away. Which, you again, get... you may not know what that means when you first start. Exactly. Up. You, you, yeah. Nobody knows. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was another thing is that uh, um, I wanted to make the game um, accessible to, to everybody in, in, in any culture, really. And, and that's why I went with, with no written words, even on the menu, which... It's um, it's it's a big critique in, in in some in some reviews is that you have no idea what's going on when you load up the game. <laughs> you know, it's 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 about trial and error, and and in a way, I, I'm trying to foster that. You know, like this exploration, even on the menu, which should be a really basic thing that it should say like. Uh, I don't know, audio level, you know, or... or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it, well, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I, I've talked to some other developers, designers about this, that there's a certain segment of players that just really hates failure. Like, being told that they failed or getting an output other than what they expected is, like, an, an extremely negative experience for them, right? <laughs> and I think more than, you know, kids or first-time players playing, that kind of player is the reason we tend to have really didactic tutorials that insist yes. that you know how to do everything before you move ahead. One of the things I really love about the design of Zero North Zero West, and, you know, I like this in games in general, is it it it, it it's very quickly establishes that there's nothing to be afraid of as far as failing, right? That, like, if you fall off something, you just end up in another space. Or, you know, if you click something and you're not sure what it did, that's fine. You're never, it's never a permanent choice in any case. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's something valuable to me in not being afraid of not quote-unquote winning, especially when it's a game that's not winnable in the traditional sense. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> well, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it, 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 it was intuitive in that way. It was, um... Um... Yeah, it's it's something that um, I recently did a, a, a game jam, the Ludum Dare 42, cool. and coming back to to what you mentioned about the the intros, 
it's I, I thought I had made this very like also uh, intuitive thing because you start in this big maze and you just have to find the way out of the maze and but the, the trick is that the maze whenever you move forward the maze shifts you know so like walls move around and like new openings open up others close up so it's this uh, continuous like polyformic labyrinth and, uh, and I figured it was like really intuitive because all you really do is you, you go forward, you jump and you sprint, sure. right? And, um, and I even say on the description when you download, like, just get to the end of the maze, right? And all these comments started pouring, pouring in like, wait, so, so what do you do in the game? How do you move forward? Like, how do you, is there an exit out of the maze? How do you get out of the maze? And it made me realize that, uh, that yeah, all those tutorials are... Um, in a sense, like I guess, essential to, to a large portion of the uh, of gamers, but uh, but but like you were saying, I, I always love games that that don't um, do well to use a common phrase like hand holding. You know mm. that they just drop you in a world and you figure it out because there's a this feeling of discovery from your own self that oh, all right, I'm figuring this out. Especially if it's intuitive, you know, it's there's the reward in it of itself is just figuring it out on yourself and not not really needing. And I think it's also because like games got so complicated, you know, with so many rules that you need to follow and how to do this and that, that yeah. you basically need an encyclopedia just to know how to play the game. Yeah, when you, you do have that one splash screen that uh, explains, you know, mouse look and, and WASD yeah. movement and stuff, because, yeah. you know, you don't want to assume someone knows that. But that's the only sort of prior game knowledge that's assumed, right? And I know for me, yeah. again, I like games like this in general, but even Proteus has if not a goal like sort of an end game like there's stuff you can do to the world to make the seasons yes. change right and when you yes. realize that that for a lot of players becomes the goal like how quick can i do that or how many different ways are there to do that that kind of thing when yeah. i realized there wasn't anything like this in this game it honestly kind of made me focus more on the worlds themselves right just in their physical presence i know i like i noticed in myself that i started noticing the theme and variation like that you start in that little kind of uh tiny house <laughs> or yes. different versions of it Always in several in of the different ones yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. and just sort of the the landscapes and i started like bumping into other weird things there's one where you bump into this weird pulsating polygonal blob that like okay, yeah. instantly in my head meant danger even though it can't hurt me and I, you know like there's yeah. nothing to be <laughs> uh like i don't know all these details started jumping out at me specifically because there was no goal you know what i mean yeah. it i i think it's really valuable for somebody who plays more sort of traditional gameplay e-games for lack of a better term to play something like this to just remember how automatic your approach to a, a given game and a given genre can be and to kind of like shake you out of that you know because like get more traditional games like that also have love put into their spaces <laughs> and to just yeah. kind of remember to, to stop and you know smell the roses in that sense i think is like yes. enormously valuable no it's that that's so true it's like whenever um like w whenever I play like an RPG, like for example, like The Witcher, or um, I was playing another one, uh, Assassin's Creed recently. But then I just the got new to one, Origins, the Egypt one. Yeah, or, the Origins yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah I, I got it in the Steam sale. And I started playing it, and uh, but then I just got too tired with the <laughs> with the gameplay mechanics, the, the Ubi softiness of it. I mean, because those games are, are what are sometimes called map games, right? They give you yeah. such an enormous amount of stuff to do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's a gorgeously like handcrafted world, you know. And 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 I was just like in awe looking at all these environments. And uh, but yeah, the game uh, it's it forces you to follow a certain path because if you get out of the the the, the area of your level, essentially a bandit comes in and kills you in ten seconds. <laughs> but uh, but with these games, what happens is that you get caught up in the story, and it's like, all right, I gotta go do this, and I gotta finish this fetch quest. 
and and you don't get to enjoy the environments as much, you know. And like sometimes, I, like you were saying, I, I like force myself to look at it because every single room you are in these in these gigantic AAA games is is a lot of love is poured into those spaces. But and unfortunately, with the gameplay mechanics, you kind of skip through it because you're trying to get to the next step, you know. And 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 you get into this weird like zone of like, all right, I gotta get to the next one. I gotta advance the story. And, and you skip through all these like really talented people's work, you know, and, and, and yeah, totally. It's, I was talking uh, to some friends uh, about the, the God of War, the new one. And yeah, I, I haven't played that yet. It's, it's, it's pretty great. Um, it's especially great. And, and like in, you know, to the to the topic you're you know bringing up there, like, you know, Kratos, like there are these doors in the world that like I don't understand how anyone opens a door in this world if they're not Kratos because they're these like enormous heavy things that he has to like, <laughs> you know, the full frame of the screen is the door for several seconds okay. while Kratos like pushes it open. And even <laughs> so, I was talking to some friends where it was like, oh, man, those sexy, sexy doors. They're like, oh, I hadn't really noticed. And like, so yeah, even like, I saw a door and I had to open it. Yeah, exactly. it was a door. I wanted to know it was yeah. on the other side, which is, of course, sort of the point. But it's like even when the game goes out of its way to call attention to that kind of environmental detail, we're kind of numb to it because we're looking yes. for the next experience point or whatever it's like yes. it's how our brains are trained exactly yeah there's like so many emotions at play that you 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 yeah you just call over a lot of details just to get to the next point you know to process the story and everything so um so yeah that, that's cool that you brought that up that once you realize that there, that you didn't have to advance in that sense you you it changed your mindset and and you got to appreciate the yeah that's um and 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 to go back to proteus like you were saying i um I didn't figure out that mechanic of changing the seasons till maybe, I think it was last year. And I, oh, cool. and I bought it in 2014 and That's I still so love cool. it. That's so cool. How did you find out? Was it the proper way? Was it like playground whispering like from a friend or I, like? I just randomly, like I saw the little fireflies, you know, even at night. better. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, all right, let's, let's go hang out with the fireflies. And I started like walking around and I noticed that all the sky was like moving really fast. Mm. I was like, all right. And I stepped out and, and then everything stopped and I stepped in and it went fast. I was like, all right, something's going on here. And that's when I realized the seasons changed, and and I was just mind blown that there was like, four was times like, more game in a certain sense anyway than you thought there yeah, was in there. Yeah, yeah all yeah, the yeah. music changes, like the environment. You have like new creatures. It was uh yeah, it was very very special. Um, because I played it in one night. Once I figured that one out, I would like just zoned out like for six hours. <laughs> yeah, just, but totally. I mean, like I knew that I liked Proteus and felt like I'd gotten my money's worth, my time's worth, whatever. When I just thought you had the first season, <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Like yes, exactly. knowing that there was so much more reminded me a little bit of like, you know, back in the day when you like, when you realized there was a dark world in Link to the Past, like I was yeah. happy with just the quest for the Master Sword and fighting Aghanim, but there's like there's yeah. eight more. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You just find like a whole other chapter to discover. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, that was also something that I wanted to do with a um, was here North Zero West, but I I just unfortunately don't have the time. It's more uh, audio reactive things. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a little bit of that, right? Like you'll you'll walk close to something that looks crystalline and hear little crystal noises and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and more more of that. And I, and I try to fill up as much as I could like before release, and and now every patch I try to add like more details like that. Oh, that's cool. But it was. But it was just like too much, too much work, like putting the, like getting the, getting all the things because I think I did too many worlds. <laughs> <laughs> How many worlds are there? Uh, so there's about a hundred and they, they all. I was going to say, yeah. I feel like an average play session is probably what, like I, you may know, you may have metrics for this, but, but I know my average play session has probably been like between five and 20 depending on how into it i get because sometimes i really hang out in one for a long time yeah. sometimes i am just sort of like running for the border because it's like show me more show me more and sometimes yeah, exactly. i get one of those those quick ones where you just fall and that's that 
Uh, but like, do you, do you know how many people tend, you know, how many of those people tend to see in a single session? Well, the only, so that's one thing that I didn't, um, so I had the option to keep track of the metrics, but I decided not to. Um, I'm a little bit weirded out by the, the whole <laughs> logging of metrics. Really? You don't like that every program on your computer is constantly monitoring well, you and beaming so data I, home I at all times? I want to add to that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. This, I kind of like that, though, because it's like this is like this is a safe dream zone. It's not a yeah, surveillance space. It's, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like whenever I'm playing like either Telltale uh, games, you know, and they like they're logging all of your decisions. It's like, what if they're running like a psychologist? profile on people you know or, or <laughs> well say, yeah 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 i mean well yeah and, and when you see how you compare to other people and stuff exactly and it's, it's, yeah and it they, can be horrifying either way like is there something wrong with me or oh my god i'm exactly like everyone else they're kind of equally scary yeah yeah exactly um but, but what you do I, in zero north zero west is your business it's you're yeah, not <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's yours you can play it offline <laughs> There won't be any data dumps <laughs> going up to me or Unity. <laughs> that's neat. Um, that's neat. But, but yeah, so yeah, about a hundred, man. So like you 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 could start seeing repeats relatively soon, right? It, if you if you play one, a yeah, lot. Yeah, one session you can see you can see repeats, and this is something that um, since it's entirely random, um, and I try to make it non-random, <laughs> which is funny because so that it didn't repeat, but there's like mm. uh, something you have to compromise. Uh, so how like, non-random is it? Like, I mean, I assume it prevents you from getting the same one twice in a row. Is uh, it more sophisticated so some, than sometimes that? Sometimes it does lock that. It, the best case scenario when you run the game is that you don't get the same one twice in a row unless it happens only once in one like average like half an hour session or one hour session. But sometimes when you load up the game, you know that that the algorithm just gets bogged down because it, it's pretty random still. So sometimes it takes a life of its own. And I've had like people that just keep showing them like the the same five levels over and over and they get really frustrated and I'm like, no, oh, you should, you know, shut the game down and restart it because, you know, all the engine and the, the architecture in the background, you know, something needs to be reset. Interesting. Uh, That's a quirk of like the, of the, of Unity specifically or like the uh, way Unity well, handles randomness? No, not necessarily. Unity, the way that I wrote the, the algorithm, basically when you run the game, it, it rolls dice essentially to, to set up a sequence and sometimes the sequence just gets, um, not random enough, you know. You get a, you get a bad roll, yeah, <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. not bad, it, it, but like it's maybe not ideal. Random, yeah, but um, it's like because like randomness is not something different every time, you know. Sometimes you get repeats, uh, but what I what I wanted to be is not entirely random, and so sometimes it, it gets messed up. But, yeah, for uh, sure. I've always had because like I, it, it's it resonates with me as somebody who has uh, like I've never had recurring dreams in my life, but I've always had like variations on themes you know what i mean like places that repeat or people that repeat this to me feels very much like that right you don't feel like you're it's not like the stanley parable you're not like seeing the same thing over and over with like deviations you're seeing stuff that looks like it maybe came from the same mind not completely there's like a fair bit of variation of texture and shape and stuff like that but it it feels like it all feels related in a way that's really hard to pin down you know like it's it's nearly impossible to put words to but it feels cohesive you know Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about how it works from a graphics perspective. How much of this is just like polygons that are painted? How much of it is like weird flat layers of, of smoky pixels? Like, like how does it all work? It's it's a it's a big stew of all of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, well, so um, so I um, I started with uh, two different approaches to making the the, the game and. Um, so like it's half and half, and what I would do is in some levels, like the, um, 
I would uh, hand model a very large portion of it, like the actual layout of where everything is going. And then I would create uh, essentially kits of parts, like um, 3D models of different things. For example, like of one family of trees, I would generate maybe like 20 different trees that all look the same, but they're like a different variation. And, uh, and I used a lot of the, um, the things that they use in No Man's Sky, like generative modeling and things like that. But I'm not using it on the engine front. You know, I'm doing it on the 3D modeling uh, back. And so I would make these kits of parts and generate all these different shapes and do like kits of like kits of rocks, kits of set pieces, kits of sharp angular triangles, you know, and all these different things. And, um, and after I had like a big layout with pre-modeled focus points, I would then go over it and then add uh, basically many layers of, of, of 3D models, you know, like to filling all these focal points together to make like a big, um, uh, like a big environment that made sense. And then I would go in, well, this was happening at the same time, actually. I would generate like textures that I would go for each one of the different dream worlds. And I would start applying all those textures as I went dropping in all the, the, the models. And then the, the big part, that, um, that goes on top of that is the, um, the post-processing effects. And um, in some of them, I applied them after generating the level. And then uh, I started learning some like nifty things with shaders. And then a lot of the levels will generate it with 3D models to complement those shaders, you know, because I figured out different ways that like depth in the distance gets like, uh, re like rendered, you know, and like, um, but by making some of the post-processing layers, I figured out different ways to maybe model things to to complement each other, and uh, so it's really a lot of like 3D modeling uh, textures that that use like um, moving vertexes and things like that. That's why like you have some creatures that move like that, like crazy, because you could like you could do a, like a rig model of that, but then it would be like really heavy on the computer. Sure. So, so if you do it with a shader that. Um, that takes apart that from the from the CPU and, and loads it on the GPU. You basically have like a really efficient creature that moves around. I mean, it's it's basic, you know. It's not. I don't have people walking around, you know. Yeah, like you were saying, you have like these weird creatures that. Yeah, I was gonna, you, you keep saying creature, but like most of I think your average player would not perceive <laughs> most of what they're seeing as creatures, right? They perceive yeah. it as like as scenery or or atmosphere or something, with the exception of I the know. blob, which looked like an animal to me and no. was terrifying. Um, and then very comforting when I realized he meant me no harm. But it's like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, right? That when you like dividing the work of of loading the world between cpu yeah. and gpu is like that classic problem that everybody has yeah. to deal with no matter what kind of game they're making exactly. I, I imagine it's especially interesting in a game like this where you are just throwing so many different kinds of graphical effects at yes. the player because that's a lot of what gives each world its flavor yes um and um yeah, so I'm going to go on that, and, and I'm going to laugh a second about when you were making fun of me for saying creatures. <laughs> and, and that was one something funny that I, I just realized is that when, when making all these things, uh, you know, to just to add a file name mm -hmm. to something, you know, when you generate it, it's funny, like, the, the inner monologue you have. What am I going to name this, right? Because you end up having all these folders full of, like, different files and all these things, and it's funny how you come up with names for... Uh, for all the different things that end up making up the game that then in the game have no names, you know, because people like give them their own names. And uh, so, yeah, and sometimes the fan wiki names them, you know, like the, the jellyfish and yeah. you Nikki or something, you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, yes, but um, so yeah, a lot of the, um, um, so a lot of the, at, at the beginning, 
So I basically finished making the game uh, last year around um, June or July. And then from July until March was all optimizing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was Man. like a good solid, like, yeah, six to eight months of just uh, figuring out how to make everything more lean. And uh, because I was having, because with, with every time you like, you would go into a world, you have like these gigantic draw distances. And um, and even before, before you could see to the end of every world, you know, it was like, see everything. And and it was it would work on my on my computer with a dedicated GPU, but it was a 1070. So it was like you know, not everybody has a an older rig or just like a regular ass laptop is not yeah, going to have exactly. those same results. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then I went and I loaded the game on on my on my laptop, and I was like, okay, this is not working. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like I would I would have like you know like 15 to 20 frames per second, and and that one had a dedicated like mobile GPU. I mean, it was old, but it, it ran Skyrim fine. So right, right, totally, yeah, yeah. So I mean, on medium graphics, but if it sure. ran Skyrim on medium, at least I had to run the game on medium, and uh, so it was like a lot of time of uh, figuring out um, how to implement a uh, level of di distance, you know, the calling, and and these are all things that I was also learning as I went because I, I came from a architecture and 3D modeling background and I didn't really know much about uh, game engines and I had to learn coding to do this. So it was all like a trial and error of like figuring out one way that works but then maybe two months later I find an even better way that works <laughs> that still looks better than the previous one so I had to like backtrack and change this and that. And, um, and I'm sure and sometimes I, you could just offset a really ambitious new technique to a different world right but sometimes you had to go back and make sure the ones you already built yeah. performed at the same level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and recently I had something like that where I figure out a way to make the 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 AI for the um, for the weird objects that move. I'm not going to say call creatures. creatures. <laughs> I I've, I'm charmed as hell by you calling them creatures. I just all wanted right. to make sure I was understanding and lampshaded a little. That's all. <laughs> um, so yeah, I figured out this like really efficient way to make the AIs like move around and figure out where they have to go. And um, so I started patching. So now I'm retroactively patching most of the creatures. Mm. And uh, and on the latest patch that I released last week, I, I I changed a lot of the creatures in some of the worlds that are really big, so it's it runs like a lot faster. But um, um, but I think the coolest thing I figured out, which is totally basic in game design, is just for me it was new. But uh, it's uh, occlusion cooling, and it's basically uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but maybe some people might might not know. And it's that basically in a game, at least in a triple A game. Um, what is rendered is only what you see in your cone of vision. And uh, so basically, as you turn around, you're slowly generating the, the the things that you see are popping up in play and everything else around you is just not there. You know, it's a void. And uh, and that's like really cool. <laughs> that's mind blowing. There's a there's a real I can't I can't yeah. think who made it, but there's a there's a good gif gif jif, however we're saying that these days of that right of like of I believe it's Skyrim where you know you're looking at a mountain and as the player's vision cone turns, the entire yeah. world pops in and out of existence. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show I notes. Know, like, yeah. yeah, that's I, I, that's I, insane. It. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really insane, and um, it's weird also to think of like. You're essentially in this empty world, <laughs> and only what you have in front of you is real, right? It's kind of existential, right? That like literally yeah. only what you can perceive with your senses exactly, exists. Yeah. yeah, in this kind of Descartes yeah, way or something. Yeah, pre Descartes. Yeah, yeah. that's it, it. Blows my mind. So like that's something you learned in the pro. Man, this is really interesting to me. So so 
you have uh, before you made games, you were you know you did three D modeling, architecture. Yeah. I, I, it's super obvious how that sensibility comes through in this game, right? I mean, you're, some of them are architectural spaces. They feel like houses or, or cities or something like that. Even the more naturalistic spaces sort of have like an architect's eye to proportion, you know, and, and things oh, okay. like that. Thank you. Well, <laughs> well, you're welcome. But, but so like, I guess it's strange. It's, it's silly to ask what's different because what's different is these don't have to be usable spaces in the same way, right? But like when you say architecture, you were, you were designing buildings, you were, you were um, doing what exactly? So I didn't get to the, the building phase, and now architects don't really... Um, it's like a huge team of architects that make a, a building now. It's, okay, uh, I am damn near perfectly ignorant about this, so please oh, enlighten no, no, me. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no worries, no worries. It's just like the the, um, the craft like has ch- uh, is just constantly changing with time, and it's to make like a, a modern sky rise, it's basically like a gigantic team of like maybe like 15 to 20 architects working. I mean, only maybe like five of those are architects. The other ones are all like trying to become architects. Oh, interesting. Okay. You have to do a really long internship uh, period of, of like maybe like five years or more of hours. And then you have to do tests and all these different crazy things. Uh, but um, it sounds in some ways not that different from software development, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, but but I like there's there's stuff for the grunts to do in software. You know what I mean? Like there's a bunch of code that has to get cut. I, yeah, what is, yeah. is there? What is the equivalent to that in architecture? Like what is what is someone who is not one of the architects like doing day to day? Well, in many ways, they are, in many in diff- it, it really varies on the firm yeah, for sure. firm's yeah. approach. But uh, they could be doing uh, the detailing. You know, just mm-hmm. doing the. So, for example, in every building, every single thing that you can imagine is in a detailed drawing of, like, the little nut with the washer going into the concrete at a scale of, like, you know, the nut is this big in the drawing. You know, everything is detailed. So, all those details need to be made. And um, sometimes the traditional approach is that uh, some architects design the overall sense of the building, mm-hmm. like, all right, we're going to use this or that. And this is going to be the uh, the spatial approach and the proportions, and then the actual detailing is done also by the architects. But the the drawings and everything and the figuring that out is done by all the interns and and the, the people trying to become architects. That makes sense. So this is a bit like level design in a sense. Where, yeah. Whereas, it, where, same, you know, yeah. a door or a doorknob or something might be someone's baby, but you yeah, know, exactly. you know, your average uh, visitor to a building or player of a game, like we were talking about, is not necessarily going to notice that stuff and certainly won't think this thing is attributable to this person. Yes, yes, and, and it took hours. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. Or days, sometimes, or weeks, yeah. But I can imagine that prepares you for the kind of stuff you're doing where, you, where the games you're making are largely places, right? Like yes. that attention to detail and, and, and that gen, like the sense of the micro and the macro, right? It must be relatively yes. translatable, right? It, but, yes. but also more satisfying because you get to a- approach both holistically. As a exactly, sold-out. yes. That, that was one thing that I, I, I thank the, the, the architecture education is just seeing it, like you're saying, from the micro to the macro and following it at every step of the process and seeing it go through and not flipping out, you know, halfway through, <laughs> you know, just sticking with it. No matter how long it might take, just sticking with it because you know in the end you have that vision and it's going to happen and it's, it's probably going to change along the way because everything changes based on budget and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just to see it through and um, but um, but yeah but before the game I was I didn't get to buildings I did uh, some uh, interior renovations with a friend in um, in Pittsburgh and we did like restaurants and uh, and, a, and a boutique and then I built a house with my dad who is also an architect so we did uh, we built this house and um, and 
my dad's like totally old school you know he's from like the the, the old generation and he likes doing everything by hand also not only planning it but then he has to be there putting up the beams nice you know nice. it's like a totally different approach to what a, a architecture would be so i did like a i worked with him for a year in building this house and and it was just it, it was a great learning experience but it was just it was just too much and uh, <laughs> sure it's, yeah, it, it, it was like I basically framed the house, you know, put the sheetrock. It was just like a, it was like a lot of a, a lot of work, which was very like gratifying and everything. But um, you wouldn't so want to be doing that all the time. In other words, like. no, I wouldn't like doing that all the time uh, because my passion is uh, is is three D modeling mm -hmm. in a way, and um, and and just making or just making impossible architecture. You know, mm -hmm. it's like I feel like we have enough built space in the world. That we don't need to like keep building more. We should uh, adapt and reuse. That's like my main philosophy. It's like we have enough space, you know. We don't need to tear down a mall, you know, and build another mall right next to it. You know, we, we should go into that mall, fix it up, and maybe turn it into living, you know, yeah. or like into a hospital. Well, maybe a hospital is a little bit trickier, but but it's just like we have enough buildings out there, you know. And 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 I still want to do architecture, and I feel like video games is just like a perfect frontier. Just to let go of all the boundaries, you know, that we have. And I mean, there's still like, you know, systems, pro uh, budget and all these different, um, you know, limits we need to worry about when doing software design. But um, but in terms of imagination, you, you can just go crazy. And that, that's that's what I really love about it. I feel like it's 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 a um, it's a different um, medium for architecture. You know, it's like yeah. a different. And it kind of expresses both extremes in a way, right? On the one hand, you can make anything and you can make like, yeah. you know, unsupported staircases and things yeah. that go impossibly high and whatever. And this is part of the joy of Minecraft, right? That, that kids get into yeah. really early, right? That it doesn't have to make physical sense. It just has to make sense to you. But then yeah. also, like, I feel like video games in a certain way express the principle of reuse that you're talking about, or they can with modding communities and things like that, exactly. where you, you take yeah. an existing space and you repurpose it. That's, that's, you know, what is modding if, you know, it's not just spaces, right? But what is modding if not taking stuff? that already exists and putting it to a new use yeah and giving it like a new interpretation and yeah that was actually my my first um intro to game dev was actually making a mod and uh in i think it was 2013 to 2014 i made this mod for age of empires 2 oh cool <laughs> oh i think i've heard you talk about your love of this game from back in the day you would you would play quite oh, a bit and like exhaust all the wood on the map or something yeah, is that yeah, correct yeah, yeah. We used to get together with, with some friends after school and um, and we would go to study and <laughs> at a friend's house and we would study. We would do homework really quick, you know, but then we would just play till like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Just um, just playing Age of Empires for hours. And it was a lot of fun. Hmm. And, and also Diablo. Diablo 2 was another. Oh, yeah. I played a lot of Diablo 2 back in the day and a lot yeah. of Age of Empires 2 as well. So like yeah. what did your what was your mod for Age of Empires? What uh, what happened in it? So it was uh, it, it was a building renovation. Basically, hmm. I reno I changed all the buildings for all the civilizations of the Age of Kings, the the original one cool. and uh, so it's I try to make them more um, realistic, quote unquote, and um, so I made like the everything more because I was like looking at the game and I loved it back then, but then when when I went to to school and everything, I like started looking at all. I, I really had a passion for medieval architecture, and I was like looking at it and visited some cities, and everything is just so chaotic, you know. In in medieval architecture, it's just like one building on top of another with an arch and something going over here and over there. 
So I wanted to bring that into Age of Empires to make like the when you build a city, rather than it be like all this like structured order of like houses and everything, just make it look like a chaotic little medieval city. That's so and, neat. Yeah, I, one of the things I love about medieval churches and 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 you know Renaissance churches and all that stuff is that uh, medieval especially though is that like because they took so long to build, you yeah. can actually watch the style of architecture change <laughs> as you look around and up. Yeah, uh, it's it blows my mind, right? And like, yeah. but then also as you say, because some of those cities were so dense you get like stuff bumping into each other and having to, you know, go from there. So like, yeah. you're totally right. Like it, it hadn't occurred to me until right now, how orderly <laughs> cities and yeah, age of empires exactly, are. Yeah. 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 That's super so neat. Thanks. So yeah, it's, it's just like all, like I made like each house instead of one story, I made them three stories tall, you know, with like minarets and different things and you know, all the buildings like really tall vertically because you know, like back in the day they, they were cities, you know, they were like these cosmopolitan, like really big cities. Like, if you see like the the drawings by uh, Durer or things you, or others of the time, all the ink engravings, you can see like they, they had like mini skyscrapers, you mm -hmm. know. And it's, so I wanted to add that in in like that that vision in it, and and it was fun. Like I had a lot of fun doing it, and the community was fun. Uh, some of the community wasn't fun because they were always asking for more. <laughs> so you learned that early, right? That as soon as you make yeah. something, you're you're in the customer service business. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was my first intro to uh, managing expectations yes. from players. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and, and not promising too much or, or things like that. Yeah. So fair to say, as long as you've been interested in games, it's had to do with building spaces or buildings or, or, or things, right? Because like, the other thing I've heard you talk about in other interviews is how as long as you've been making games, what you've been making are, are places, are, are crazy, yes. you know, castle spaces, whatever. You know, like, is that, is that what gets you excited most is like inhabiting uh, uh, a place in a game? Yeah. I love uh, making environments just like a, a world or like a particular space. It's, it's something I just, I love, um, I mean, with Zero North Zero, I had to do everything like the sound and everything. And now I really enjoyed making sound. Like, um, I bought like a portable microphone. So I go everywhere and like, whenever I hear something really cool, I pull it out and I record that because I know I'm going to use it at some point later. But uh, but yeah, my, my my real jam is just putting on like music and just start creating something out of the blue, you know, and start making like and, and start by like different rules, you know, like I start always with the terrain because like the terrain will dictate where everything is in a way. And uh, and then I come up with like natural formations or like forests or things and then like making um, yeah, either like level environmental design on a, a bigger scale or just like small very like precise environments like houses or like you were saying castles it's yeah i love doing that um, yeah and I, I, I mean yeah no, I, was, I was gonna say uh so so did that I, I believe you've worked on some art installations in the past right so yes. so so like how it, it man obviously there are constraints and there are advantages to working in the real world to working irl right yeah. <laughs> uh, what, how do you approach it differently though, right? Like, cause it's, it's similar in the sense that like the terrain such as it is determines what you can do, but it's obviously super different when you can create the terrain, right? Like, do you start with yeah. an idea about terrain when you're making like a digital space from scratch or do you sometimes uh, like put starting constraints on yourself? Is it truly just like letting your mind go where it will? Like how, how intentional is all that? It's... <laughs> is that not even a fair question <laughs> no 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 it's a totally fair question it's just like um it's just weird it's gonna um, it really depends um because sometimes it evolves naturally and i can't really say how how it happens like for example um 
I now started work on the the next full game, um, and it's going to be very different from Zero North Zero West because it's going to be a story and there's going to be a narration. And because of this, that the way that I went into making it has totally changed because now I'm having a linear path that the person takes, you know, to unfold the story as they walk forward. So that's changed the way that I, I, I'm making. Um, Is Dear things. Esther a fair point of comparison? I know that's something that a lot of people are familiar with. D- yeah, that you're, yeah. That you're on like a walking tour of this place, you know? In, in a sense, it's like that, yeah. And, and, and at some moments it opens up, but all within a certain boundary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm adding, because it's like we were saying earlier, there's, there's like a performance budget. So uh, this one I'm adding a lot more detail that was not in, like for example, the trees have leaves, you know, and things like that. And um, so that's 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 changing the way that I'm I'm going about it, and I'm I'm still looking at certain focus points. That's usually the way I go. It's like I do like certain central focus points, and then I build out from the focus. And and uh, so having and, a story tells you what the focus points are, right? And then yes, you, you build outward yes. from each. Yeah, that's that's yeah. interesting. And um, and then obviously again, like the the performance budget is is, is what limits like how far I'm going to go out of that. You know how how much I'm going to populate the space outside of the focus points, but even with the focus points, going back to the terrain, I yeah I start with the geography and tie that into this to the story. You know, it's like I want this like um, you know like this this at the beginning like to call this sense of uh, anticipation spatially in a way. So I. I I know that the player is going to end up in this like really far away point. I somehow want to point the view to that point, and so I, I, I it's like all right, it's going to be in a mountain, you know, and, um, and the whole path is going to lead to there. And I'm going to have many different geological features to transverse through it. And uh, but I'm not just going to put like a canyon, a forest, and an oasis next to it. You know, I, I I try to make it so that the transition seems natural and it just flows. Because even uh, in Zero North Zero West, where you don't have any such constraints of like focal points, other than like where the player starts, like it always yeah. you're always looking at a really beautiful tableau when you start the dream, right? Beyond that, it's pretty free. You know, some of them go on for a really long time, and you're like running through the high desert for a long time before you hit the edge. Sometimes it's a pretty yeah. dense, small area, but they've all sort of got all like they don't feel naturalistic in a lot of cases, but they always feel uh, bounded or like coherent does that make sense like it yeah, yeah it you, you can tell that it isn't just like uh, well i thought a canyon would look cool next to a city or whatever like there's some yeah. kind of like traversal intent to it like i it seems like you always think about what is it going to be like to walk through the space almost like yes. uh, there's like a school of chinese painting where it's like you're you're it's a landscape and you're supposed to imagine yourself walking through it or something you know yeah. it reminds me a little bit of that except you are freaking walking through it but like it invites you to picture the whole space like yes. to wrap your head around it, you know, is that, does that make a lick of sense or? <laughs> no, no, it does. It's, 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 it's like, it's like you were saying with the Chinese scrolls, it's like, it's telling a story through the landscape, you know, and, mm. and, 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 or through the environment. And it's something that I really, um, so there's, there's actually like a field of architecture that does that precisely. And it's, um, a landscape design mm. and, uh, oh, and also urban design, uh, or, or urban designs are the, the guys that pretend to plan out a city. I'm sitting real close to Central Park as I say this. So, you know, sometimes they plan some stuff, but they never plan yeah. quite as much as they say they're going to. Yeah, no, sometimes it's amazing. But uh, but now, uh, at, at least in school, it was like, yeah, we're going to 
They're like, we're going to go to this random country and we're going to plan their whole capital. I'm oh, just like, geez. dude, <laughs> like a city like evolves organically. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's like, I, I would imagine that's the dream in a sense, though, right? Getting to make like a utopian city, like getting to design something from scratch. Like it happened in Chicago where I lived for a while for, to a certain degree because it burned down. So like they had yeah. the opportunity to say, like, we have a city, we have infrastructure. What does our ideal Chicago look like? Right. But of course, then life and people and time happen to it, you know, and it never it, it changes, doesn't stay static. And and yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, all right. I, I was being maybe a little bit harsh. There are some actual benefits to some of the central planning techniques. Like, for example, in New York, making the grid makes everything like really rational and like it lets air go in and move in the air of New York. So it's a healthy place to live, relatively speaking, to another metropolis. And, you know, you can get from point A to B really fast if there's a fire or something like that. But, um, but so, yeah. I didn't think you were saying city planning is pointless. What you were saying was it's a little <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. bit, uh, it's, it's not the most efficient use of city planning as a discipline to imagine what you would build, quote unquote, from scratch. Because anywhere there are already people, you're not yeah. starting from scratch. There's some kind yeah. of existing society with its own needs and you have to account for that or else you're just... It's it's just a thought experiment if you're not taking exactly, that into account. Exactly. Yeah, and, and and I was seeing like a lot of my, my friends when we graduated, they went to work with these urban design firms, and they they, they were contracted by China to go to many uh, different villages in mm. in China and turn um, what was like a ancient village into what now is, is a gigantic metropolis. And uh, and I saw this like disconnect. You know, it's like this person from the Bronx. You know, that lived their whole life in the Bronx, does not have a Chinese culture, does not know this place, did not live in this place, is going to this place, you know, 10,000 miles away, yeah. basically forcing this entire region to adapt to his own rational plan. And um, From what I understand, too, about the way China handles that stuff, like, sometimes even when, when it originates in, you know, in Beijing or something, the culture that they're rolling over to build this new thing may be very distant from the culture they understand. So then yeah. to add an American into that is like yeah, it's so just, many yeah, layers of not getting what you're starting with, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, um, so, so to go back to the, the topic, I, I used a lot of the urban design, uh, strategies in making the game, you know, that's a way that I think about laying out the environments. And, and I think that that's a very uh, humanistic way to apply urban design. <laughs> you know, it's Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, with like what is a dream right like a dream is a space that that is that is for you because it's in you or something right like it is laid out in a way that is purpose built even though it has no purpose it's it's that yeah. weird contradiction i feel like that's what you've captured with these spaces like it is there for you it is there to like delight your eye and draw you in and all that stuff so it's you've you've clearly thought about how traversal is going to work within it but it's like in the same, you know, the same way that a city can't have a purpose, it has to have a multitude of purposes. It has to allow for like subjective interpretation of what it's going to be for. These yeah. spaces like just invite your brain to to wonder what you're looking at and to you know want to see what's next. Thanks. Um. Um. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's that's that's nice to hear. <laughs> I, it's, it was my experience with it, right? Because yeah. you know, in the absence of a, of a Proteus esque endgame or something like I was saying, like it just it becomes a very pure experience of just being in these weird dream states. 
No, yeah, that's that, that's cool to hear because like I sometimes I just get from people that like, oh, so you just put a bunch of random stuff together procedurally, and that's it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we we talked yeah, about this at Play no. NYC too, right? That it's that it's not to me. It was immediately obvious that these weren't procedural, right? Um, with the possible exception of the ones that are basically just patterns. There's one where you're basically just in like the the memory storage hallway from Harry Potter or something, right? Like you're just like okay. zooming through these like ro- that isn't what it is, but it's what it made me think of, right? Like those I could imagine being algorithmic in some sense, but once you've got a house or something, like it's almost that Frank Lloyd Wright thing of like the the you know the the topography determines what architecture is possible or whatever. With the obvious difference that you're also making the topography, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yes. it's there's an intent to well, it yeah. that I think is obvious <laughs> if you're paying attention. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird god complex when making games. <laughs> well, he already had a god complex, and he didn't even get to make the topography right. It's like you you start from everything basically, right? <laughs> well, I guess the, the ultimate god is the engine. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's like a, a, a multiple layers of different uh Yeah, God on uh, God. Well that's that's exactly why some people become some developers become obsessed with making their own game engine and spend years without making anything playable because from their point of view they have to, you know, reinvent the wheel. Everything. Uh, I talked to um, to Zach Barth from Zachtronics. He made like Spacecam and, and Exapunks just recently. Okay, and they yeah. have their own engine, but for for them, engine means we take input, we draw stuff to the screen. <laughs> like anything beyond that, we'll figure out as we go along, which I think yeah. is a very, you know, like a lot of people when they say I'm making my own engine, they assume it has to do everything Unity does basically, right? Or they're but not no, done yet and they can't start making a game. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I, well, at the moment it's, building my own engine would be way beyond my 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 reach but i would see the benefits like you were saying is making the engine just a custom tailored tool to the way that you work and and to enhance that you know not not you don't need like incredibly photorealistic light unless you really want to do that but at that point just use another engine because they've been working on it for like right 30 years. And if you do no, make like, a bespoke thing, like you're this weird, lonely God where only only you know how to make naturalistic light in that way, right? If you yeah. if you scale up to, to the, uncon- you know, the, the inconceivable scale of two people instead of one, then like the other person doesn't speak your God language. You know what I mean? Like it's this weird <laughs> isolating thing, I think, when people do that. Um, if they're successful enough, they can like get people on board to learn their tool or something. Yeah. But that's that's probably yeah. the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, I was uh, recently looking at uh, the Witness and how they, oh, yeah. how they built their own engine, and I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Because um, that's all like pretty entirely from scratch, right? If I recall from the, yeah, the dev blog, yeah, they, they built it entirely from scratch. Yeah. And uh, from what I was looking, and I really appreciate the way that, um, uh, I th- yeah, I think it's Jonathan Blow puts all these dev blogs explaining like all the steps in the process and why he did this, and and in the same way they build it to support their way of making the game like it's 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 like another tool because the way that uh, all the environments are basically like individual puzzles and they had to make you know they couldn't do that with using an, an existing engine and they had to rebuild that because in many ways like an engine is like a philosophy of creation you know like each engine has like its own framework and way of doing things and you either like that way of doing things or you don't and um and, and that was something funny. It's like when I started making the game, I tried all the different engines and I liked Unity the best because it 
it flowed with me naturally. You know, oh. I, I tried CryEngine, and that was like a pain. <laughs> it's 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 an amazing engine. Uh, I'm not. I, I it's like a, a technological feat, but it just didn't mesh with me. Maybe and, not so friendly to a first time developer. Uh, yeah. Of, of this kind of game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Optimization yeah. being an issue and all that. Yeah. 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 And 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 it's a shame because like I I built this like beautiful like little world, basically like one of the dreams in in Sierra North Sierra West. And, uh, and it's really cool. And I made this in 2014, and I have no way of exporting it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah, you would have to recreate it brick by brick or something, right? Like, there's well, no yeah, way to, yeah, yeah. It's just there, and I, and I didn't know enough at the time uh, to um, to even properly save it. So uh, when I eventually reformatted my computer and reinstalled the SDK and everything, all the textures that I put in, or, uh, they all got wiped somehow. Uh, so everything's now like a checkerboard pattern. No, but, um, like a dream on waking. Um, yeah. Man. But uh, so, yeah, that was the first way of being like, all right, this is not it. <laughs> so then I, I went to Unreal and I enjoyed it. But then at the same time, I also installed uh, Unity. And then I was like, all right, Unity, is uh, it flows better here. And, can, um, you, can you kind of put words to what made Unity flow better for you than Unreal? Um, I think it, um, so it also tied in with, um, because I feel like 3D modeling programs are the same, you know, like each 3D modeling program has like a different, um, philosophy or framework on how to create a 3D thing, you know, like the, is it extrusion? Is it pulling back? Is it, is it like Google SketchUp where you have like these planes and you pull them apart or, and, um, and I think Unity really complemented the way that I already thought of 3D modeling with the software that I use that is, um, not really used in, in video gaming, uh, as far as I know, it's called uh, Rhinoceros 3D, and they use it for uh, for architecture a lot, hmm. and um, and it, it's just basically like moving around, for the most elemental thing, like moving around the, the 3D space is done with the same keys almost, you know, so that, that was already a plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your so, previous and, skills were the most transferable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just like moving in the same space. I mean, there's like one key that is different, you know, and, and every time I alt tab, I, it takes me two seconds to like get used to it again. Mm. But, but that in itself is one thing. And, and But then I like the way that Unity is just like dropping. You make these kits and you drop them in there and you move them and... Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's it's been a while, but it's just it just seems natural to me. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I always that like, whole thing about like when someone's learning a programming language, it's like, well, which is the best one to learn? And the answer is the one that makes sense to you, right? Exactly, like engines exactly. are ultimately very much the same way. Yeah, exactly. And uh, though I did make a mistake there because I I learned uh, the Unity script or the Java based derivative that they use, uh, uh, when I should have just stuck to C because now they depreciated uh, Java's uh, and and they're sticking with C and now I need to like uh, relearn how to how to do I mean now I'm like slowly forcing myself to relearn how to do everything because I need to because um, now I'm doing uh, virtual reality for uh, the zero north zero west and um, and I'm trying to do it on because I built the game on unity 5.0 which is a release that was released in 2015 I think so the whole game is in this basically depreciated engine, you know, because now they're at 2018 version, and it's been like four, like three years of just one after another of updates, and they've changed so much of the way that things work that I can't import the the project to the latest engine because everything just blows up, <laughs> you know, it just it just doesn't work. 
So, so, um, and so I'm trying to like jerry rig VR into 5.0 when it was still like very beta and experimental. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to have to port the whole game to the latest Unity version. So to do that, I need to relearn. I need to translate all the scripts from uh, Java to C. And, uh, and I need to rewrite a lot of the shaders that I wrote. And um, so I'm basically remaking Zero No Zero West again. <laughs> and that's that's primarily, so it's, it's for, I imagine, just future maintenance and posterity in general. Exactly, but yeah. But primarily the, the main motivation is to, to get it into VR, which makes sense because this is, this is a game that, I'm sure you get asked all the time whether there already is a VR version because it is so immersive is an overused word, but it like it sucks you in, right? Like it yeah. it makes sense and it is about ending up in a place and looking around, which is something VR headsets do it's perfect for yeah, so right? well, yeah, it's that yeah, and um, and yeah, so there is a, a VR version out right now, and it's it's really early alpha and experimental, and um, it's, and a it's, it's for Vive. Uh, it's for the Vive, and I've had some users say that it worked on their Oculus, but I don't have a y Oculus, so I can't really test it out at the moment. And um, yeah, that's another thing with game dev. It's like everybody asks, like, support this, support that. I'm like, yeah, all right, but I need to buy that. <laughs> Especially with VR, right? Because they really are yeah. these kind of bespoke platforms. You know, there's yeah. you've got PlayStation VR, which is like the 3DS of VR. It's kind of janky, but that makes it easier to make stuff for it. People then try to hook that up to their computers. There's like some software that lets you sort of use it as a fake Vive. Then there's yeah. Oculus. Then there's the Vive itself. It's crazy. It's, it's the Wild West right now, right? Because VR is new. So I can only imagine, like... Even just, you know, maintaining a Windows, a Mac, and a Linux port or something on Steam is already a huge headache, or maybe even impossible for a single developer, considering all these different VR platforms must be daunting as hell. It's it's a lot, yeah. It's I, I'm even thinking of um, getting some people on board to to do the port faster, because um, because I also want to work on the new game, and, um, and I also, you know, it's like, I love making this, but I also need to put food on the table in a way. <laughs> So I need to start thinking about the next game, and uh, for sure, so yeah, yeah, yeah. G giving people who already bought it what they want is, yeah. is is a beautiful thing. Yeah, but it's they already bought it, and like, yeah, yeah. There's like the you know, capitalism comes a knocking at a certain point. I, think. I know, yeah. I hope it's, people it's like, understand that, you know. Yeah, it's like a, a very unfortunate thing. Like, I would love to just make all these like crazy environments and not not care about it at all, but it's like, um, unfortunately, the U.S. doesn't have like you know grants for. Um, for video games or things like that, and um, and it's like, yeah, you could do a loan, but then you have to pay the loan, you know, and then there's there's all these other things to, to take into account, and um, um, but yeah, um, so yeah, working on VR, <laughs> and and hopefully consoles as well. That that would be something oh, cool. that I would really like because um, right now I um, I'm only on Steam and HEO, and and that's only like personal computers so in, in a sense I'm, I'm limiting the the exposure that you know that the game could have and uh, and I recently bought a switch and like I was really hesitant but then I bought it and and it's it's really cool it's like a, a really nifty little machine you know you can just like game anywhere like I it's like I, I stop playing games at night I just go to bed and take the switch with me and like I play till I fall asleep and then I just fall asleep you know and it's and I can imagine it would be perfect for the Switch, you know, like anywhere you are, you can take like a little mini virtual vacation on on those totally. worlds in Sierra North. And, um, and it almost like, it's weird, but like just something as simple as having a screen that's bigger than your average handheld screen 
that like close to you and that intimate it it almost fe- like it isn't vr it isn't anything like vr but it weirdly feels like it like yeah like uh like yeah. thumper uh is as intense on the switch if you're like holding it in front of yourself as it is yeah. in vr in a certain sense yeah. you know no no it, it totally makes sense and i was actually talking about this with a friend that he was all about buying like a gigantic big screen tv for his bedroom and i was like dude just hold your phone right in front of you <laughs> It's, it's like you're getting the same inches, you know. I mean, that, that is an interesting thing, right? About the different like yeah. display standards. I mean, VR is one thing, the Switch is another, and it's super popular yeah. for good reason. But then the other trend is 4K TVs, right? And it's yeah. like living in Manhattan. I don't know that many people who have a home big enough that a 4K TV would make sense because it needs to be. On. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. how many how many inches does it have to be before you can even sort of perceive a difference, like 70 or something, like that neighborhood? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. So like, it's an interesting thing. This like this this split in in display standards and and where things are going graphically. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, um, I think that the 4K is just going to take a while because. Even with gaming, you know, like you want a game in 4K and it's just like you need a 1080 Ti or, or even two of those to get like a, the same like frame rates that you get on, a, on, a, on, a, on another card on even 2K, you know, or, or 1080. And I'm running a 970 and it crushes everything in 1080. It does pretty well yeah. in 1440. That's as high as it's going to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, yeah. And, and it works. You know, you, you, can, you can enjoy games. There's, there's no real need but i guess eventually yeah it's just gonna the 4k is gonna take over but but yeah the switch would be a, a really nice nice thing it would I, be a good fit there i think i mean because yeah. the the place where the switch excels is for wildly different lengths of playtime. yes the fact that you could just like walk around a world on the subway or something i think would would feel very right you know Exactly, yes. Um, I'm even replaying Skyrim for like the fifth time right now on this <laughs> Switch. <laughs> that game, how many times have they released Skyrim? But yeah, like the Switch gives new life and it's be- kind of become my go-to indie game machine, uh, revisiting stuff that I already liked. I got Crypt of the Necro Dancer on there and I don't know, this, there's something exciting about having them on oh, the Switch. Yeah, accessible right there and you can take them everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't buying into it until I got one and now I realize that it's, it's really, really cool, cool machine. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to try to apply for that and try to uh, port it to that. So I'm going to try to try to get some help to do that. But, um, but yeah. I want to go back to how the game begins. Um, so the, the, this like sequence of you leaving the city and going on a road trip, that's how it's framed, right? And you said like that got added later because like what's the context of these worlds? You know, I experienced it probably the way it was originally at, at Play NYC, which is I just sat down. Someone else had been playing. I picked up where they left off. It was just dream to dream to dream. That's a very different feel than starting at the, the gas station and then going into the theater, which it would itself be a very different feel from starting in the city and then knowing you're stopping like you're on your yeah. way somewhere else. Right. Like it's it's sort of. I don't know, on a gut level, it made sense to me. Like the idea of like when you like leaving the city and just going somewhere and like being alone on roads for a long time is dreamlike in a way, you know, in the way that a dream is an in-between space for you. The You know, a road trip is a way you like go outward to go inward or something. This is this is sounding really it sounds like I'm, I'm high, which I'm not. But no, 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 no. <laughs> I totally understand. I uh, actually I. um so all the footage that you see in that in that in that intro movie is from an actual road trip I did with a friend um, right after school. We we just got on his car and we're like, all right, let's let's drive the U.S. And so we we went to California and back, basically starting on New York. And uh, and I mean, we visited all all like I think it was like a total of like 
20 to 30 states in total and uh, our, our focus was trying to go to every national park we could go to and um and yeah and we would drive for basically all day and it's like you were saying it's everything just starts to flow in a weird like you you become entranced by the road you know you're you're driving and then you stop at a national park and and it's like this focus point very detailed focus point mm -hmm. But then you get on the car again and you're just like zooming by and it all kind of blurs away. And it's it's a very, um, like at the beginning you start playing, all right, this is, it ties back to what you were saying earlier that with a road trip at the beginning, you want to get to a destination. But once you start in the flow of the road trip, it's like the journey, uh, as cliche as this phrase is, the journey is the destination. You no, know? totally. Like, but it, but it's, and, and beyond that, it's like, you're never, you're never where you intend to be as long as you're still on the road trip. Yeah, exactly. But you're always like, you're inevitably somewhere. So you're like, you're nowhere, but somewhere you're like, yeah. it's this and vivid it's in between. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, and, um, uh, and a lot of the game I think would have not happened, uh, at least in this way, if I hadn't done that road trip, because it really made me enjoy, um, exploring and traveling without necessarily an objective you know it's just like all right let's look at this map all right we're gonna go here yeah sure and if we see something cool on the way we'll go there and then we'll go here and that's how we ended up driving like all, all the time it's just we ended up visiting places we, we had never imagined or stopped at places that were just so random like i remember uh we were in um we we left we obviously stopped, we only stopped at very few cities, Vegas being one of them, because you're like in the middle of the desert and you need to stop for gas. So we stopped at Vegas at night. And in a way, it was kind of like the game, you know, you're driving in the desert at night, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing all these lights in the horizon and you get closer and it's this massive like constellation of lights just like filling up this entire desert floor, you know, and, and, and you go in and it's just all these bright neon colors that are just totally like incongruent compared to the desert you were in, you know, it's like an alien city. <laughs> yeah. Like how did this get here? And this, yeah, yeah. Your brain insists it shouldn't be possible for it to exist, which on, yeah. on some level it shouldn't, right? It shouldn't, right. Yeah. But it's, it's there. And then, uh, so we spend the night there and then we left the next day and we started driving through the, um, the Joshua tree national park, uh, and, and the Mojave, so we were exploring that area and we stopped, we, we, we randomly stopped, like on the side of the road, there was like a, a place to pull over because we saw these like really big dunes. So we stopped the car and it was like starting to be sunset and we walked to the dunes and um, we later, later found out those are the Kelso dunes and we, we had like no idea. So even though we didn't want to go to the Kelso dunes, we actually visited a national park just by randomly stopping, you know, on the, on the side of the street. and. Uh, and yeah, it was like beautiful. Like we were just walking on the dunes and then the sunset and then that was kind of scary because we couldn't see where the car was parked anymore. And, and we were like maybe like half a mile from the car. So we're, we just started walking aimlessly and, and somehow we found the car. It was like really, really like magical how like <laughs> we just picked a spot and like we, we walked there and, and eventually got to the got, got to the car. But um yeah, it's uh, most a lot of the places in the in the game are actually inspired by different things that I that I saw along that trip. And um, so when I was making the the game, and um, I wanted to to tie that into the inspiration. So that's why I did that that road trip video in a way. It's like you start in the city, it's like really busy, and and you just have to get out, you know. So you start by like leaving the city and going into nature again. 
and and then stopping at this like random place that takes you somewhere else entirely and in, in, that happened a lot in the in the road trip so it's it was a way of making that digital i guess like making a, a shareable experience yeah definitely i'm i my wife and i are both from california originally so you know the mojave yeah. desert so beautiful we love road trips I have yeah. this theory that people who love road trips tend to be the people who are less afraid of getting lost in games, uh, both yeah. because they're not afraid of getting lost, but also because, yeah. like, I, I don't know, like, something else that uh, that uh, Zero North Zero West tapped into for me was, like, the idea of uh, traveling as imagination fuel, that you just, like, when you see new places, you gain these new reference points that then make your inner life, for lack of a better term, more yes. vivid, which then in turn makes you see the world differently when you go back out into it. Like, it, it really does feel like a loop to me, you know, which I feel like the game captures in a certain way, right? It's like this, you know, your dreams or whatever, the inner life is always a place you can go back to, but it's not... It, it's not cut off from from real life, you know? It can't be. It has to be influenced by it, and it has to also influence it, you know? No, no, I, I, yeah, I totally understand. And there's, um, um, so there was this like moment in, in the, just like a lot of the sounds too, the sound uh, design in the game also was like inspired by like, by real things. And uh, I don't know if you've been to the, um, have you heard of the singing dunes? No, where's that? It's, so it's like this phenomenon that happens uh, with dunes in very specific parts of the world. And Mojave Desert is one of those places. And, um, and and when we were there, I experienced it. And the weirdest thing is that my friend that was on the other side of the dune didn't experience it. Whoa. And yeah, and that's what I, I thought I was dehydrated. And then, yeah, and you so know, just, maybe I, maybe I have experienced this and just didn't know what it was called. What is in what way do they sing? Like, what's the sound? Okay, so it's 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 mind blowing. And I can't imagine like back in the day, like people imagining gods just because of what happened. And I mean, of course, now we have science and I have my smartphone. So I quickly check well, what the hell happened. And hey, it sometimes was when actual... you're out there, you don't have signal, man. You get to live with the magic for a little while, at least. <laughs> yeah, no, I lived with the magic for a while. But that night we, we stopped at a motel. I was like, I got to find out what that was because he didn't hear it. I heard it. What's going on? But uh, basically, it's, it's when... Um, well, I'll explain what I felt, and then I'll 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 do the then the, you'll the, then you'll strip away the magic. Yeah, okay, sounds yeah, yeah. Then I'll yeah. spoil then I'll spoil the magic. But I was basically walking through this gigantic dune, and like it was just breaking apart. I was walking through it, you know, because it was like all this sand just like cascading down. And all of a sudden, I started hearing this like rumbling sound, like this really. It started low, and then it started to get really, really loud, like very, very loud roaring. And it almost felt like a plane was flying. So I looked around and there's like no planes. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, and then I hear like this horn, kind of like a biking horn, like this like big bellowing sound, just like, Wah. and it just like, it was like really menacing and, and emanated. And it, it just stopped me. Like I was just standing there in this dune looking at the sunset and this like, it seemed like I was in, in the planet uh, Arrakis from Doom, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, a yeah, sad yeah. form was about to, like, jump out, you know, and just, like, eat us. <laughs> and then I, as, as, as just as fast as it started, it stopped. And But it was, like, a really loud, like, this, I don't know, like, cosmic sort of noise, you know, really weird to put into words. And, and I try to make it in, in some of the levels there are sounds like that that were inspired by that. Like try to try to recreate uh, that feeling of, but um, but then I found out it's just like the dunes. Um, as the sand breaks apart, it like falls down, and you have all these different layers of sand particles that start to resonate with each other, 
And when you get to a certain critical mass of enough sand particles moving down, they start to resonate together and make this like bellowing noise. And it's called like the singing dunes phenomenon. And but it's just it it dude, it's it's mind blowing. <laughs> I've definitely never experienced that, and I've spent a fair bit of time in desert, so that's that's fascinating to me. It, it was yeah, and 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 when I was there, I was like wow, like it was a very spiritual like experience. Like I was like wow, like what, what's going on? And, so I like ran up the dune and I yell at my friend like, "Yo, you hear that?" He's like, "No, what, what?" And I'm like, "That that crazy sound." And he's like, "No, I didn't hear anything." And uh, and supposedly like the sound like it's just like where if you're in specific focal points, you feel that vibration from the whole dune vibrating. And if you're not in those focal points where the sound like collides, you don't hear it. And uh, but. It was it was really weird. That's incredible, and just and well, and the, and the fact that it was allowed to be inexplicable for you, yeah, for, for no, a, I, even for a brief time, I, is like yeah. it's something to kind of treasure in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I can't imagine like back in the day, just like uh, settlers or, or Native Americans just exploring that area and and that happening to them, and just you know yeah totally i mean utah is full of stuff like that there's there's yeah. uh there's in zion national park there's weeping rock and you're like if you've been trudging through the desert you know as as itinerant mormons or something for however long and then you see like a rock that has like a a waterfall with no source that's just like constantly yeah. dripping water you're like oh yeah i mean this is obviously the promised land <laughs> like yeah, exactly yeah it's, it's such a magical like unexplainable thing that i mean now we know all these the causes and yeah we understand but, subterranean springs and pressure and all that stuff but yeah like, yeah yeah it's but it's it's just like um but not knowing that it's 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 very yeah it was um so yeah i try to fill the game with these like weird experiences like that you know <laughs> it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, honestly, knowing that experience, I, I'm excited to go back to the game, right? Because it is just kind of like a game about getting, uh, getting, allowing yourself to be overwhelmed by something expected but unexpected, something that you're not yes. quite sure of the origin of. Uh, it's, you know, it's like, it, it's, it, it's so cool to me that we're at the point with games that you can strip away virtually everything that, that people who wanted to define games and put them in boxes you know, said was probably necessary from gameplay to story to whatever narrative more broadly, even. And you're, what you're left with is still this like hard kernel that is totally unique to what games can do as far as like interactivity, as far as inhabiting a space, as far as, you know, distrib distributability, like there's no other way to like give someone a space <laughs> over the internet yeah. in quite the same way. Yeah, like it's, it, it really is a very pure version of one of the many things games can be. And I, I dig it a lot. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's I think it's like a really special moment in gaming because it's 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 a new medium, you know, it's I think it's it's a fantastic medium because in many ways it's like, you know, like uh, humanity and technology like evolves over time. And in many ways, I feel like gaming is the ultimate evolution of art because it mixes every past medium that we've had for entertainment or retrospection. Or, or just, you know, contemplation or inspection, anything. Like, just the, those visual mediums. It contains 2D visual art, 3D visual art, painting, exactly, sculpture, yeah, it, it whatever. Exactly, yeah. It contains literature, yeah. music, everything. You know, it's like this this amalgamation of everything we've done in the past. It's, like, all put together in, in, a, in a world that you can get lost in it. Because, like, when you're playing the game and, um, you know, that, like, special moment that... Um, I've like read some some things about what people call that moment. You know, when you're playing a game and you're in your room, 
but then all of a sudden you're in the game, you know, mm. and you don't pay attention to the to the to your room anymore. You know that that weird like uh, introspective linking uh, or just like you you basically link up with that world and you're there, you know, and and you experience it. I guess until you get hungry or you got to go to the bathroom or something, and then the link breaks, and then you come back and you link up again. And uh, but yeah, it's it's this really, I feel like amazing frontier of creation and, and imagination. Yeah. And and I think it's it's still, it's 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 slowly evolving. You know, it started in many ways. Uh, I like to compare it to movies. You know, it starts with. Um, very specific types of movies you know we had like detective stories and westerns and then as like the the tools behind it became more accessible to more and more creators we started to see some really fun and 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 and, and, and new interpretations of what cinema could be and i feel like in gaming we're having that same like slow evolution of the of the medium you know we we start with like the um, the shooters and the um, the strategy games and now it's becoming more accessible and we're having all these like different unique views on, on what the medium can can show us and and, and tell what what stories they can tell, and um, so it's yeah it's really exciting to be a part of it at this moment and and just at least add my little like <laughs> grain of yeah, salt. Yeah, totally. To I mean, like when when people talk or write about that moment that you're describing, where you're you're linked into the game, I hear a lot of people describe it in terms of flow, and yeah, just well, yeah. somewhat often when people talk about flow, what they're kind of doing, whether they mean to or not, is justifying repetitive loops and Skinner box mechanics. Cause they're saying, no, 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 no. It has to be repetitive because otherwise you don't get flow, you know? <laughs> and I, I think what, what zero North zero West reminds me of, and, and can, it has the potential to remind everybody of is that, that, that linkage with the game, it, there's not one way to do that. There's a, you know, a, a functional infinity of ways to do that. There's a lot we haven't figured out yet. There's a lot that like have flavors we haven't figured out yet that like, we think we understand why a Proteus or, or something is interesting, but maybe we don't quite get what the secret sauce is in the same way that early film, like, you know, we figured out we could move the camera and that was like people, people figured out what to do with that for a while. And like, (laughs) it's yeah. yeah, Games, games are in this really vibrant moment and it's beautiful. It's, it's really exciting as someone who just plays a lot of them and gets to talk to people about them, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it's just going to become more and more because I, I feel that that newer generations, like, uh, 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 treat gaming as their sole medium in a way, you know, it's like becoming more and more widespread and uh, you know, you no longer have like the, um, like everybody I mean, it, even in my generation like, I would say like 30% to 40% of people still game others, you know, stop playing games because quote unquote they had to grow up, <laughs> or these like silly things I hear sometimes, it's like no, I don't have time, or like this and that and and it's like, yeah, but I, you sure do have time to watch like an entire season on Netflix, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also though, I mean, like th- they they may not be aware that there are games that respect are the not, way they want to use time. Exactly, exactly. That That's that's another thing. It's like, no, I, I know that, but it's your preconception of what gaming was when we were growing up. You know, gaming is not that anymore. Like I've had games that like made me see the world differently in the same way a book did. Like for example, the the Stanley Parable, for example, is it's one of my very game. favorite games. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it honestly, like it, it changed the way I look at life. Like in in, in many ways, uh, when I play that game, I was doing that career path in an office, 
you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it wasn't like a, I didn't have a cubicle, but it was still that, you know, like walking in a very linear path of life. The the adventure line of life. The sure, adventure yeah. line, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and in a way, I was my own narrator forcing myself to walk this path and and just playing that game and realizing, you know, I can go in any direction I really want to, you know, and, and it just really... Um, and there's like a lot of like little subtle su- subtle moments in that game, but it's it was really impactful. And so yeah, it's 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 a way. Um, I think that as more time goes on, like video games um, are going to become the main medium that that everybody. Um, consumes to use that word, but um, yeah, I think we've hit that point. Yeah, I mean, we do eat video games, right? That's a fair word. That's not how yes. everyone approaches every game, but in general, yeah. you know, we eat yeah. our TV, we eat our movies, and it's like I feel like <laughs> we're at that point though, where you know, the baby boomers grew up watching TV and didn't didn't stop watching TV when they became yeah. adults. Games are reaching that point yes. where they're just so. Uh, ubiquitous and there are so many different varieties of them that you know two people who play tons and tons of video games may play none of the same video games and, the, exactly know. yeah it's it, it happens yeah so it's it's gonna be really exciting seeing like the what what other people come up with and like more innovating stories like that um yeah it's 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 definitely fun i um yeah, I always try to be um, like I recently got friends that stopped playing games uh, by like recommending like other sorts of games that are not the traditional focus. And um, so it's, it's always fun to hear what they think about it. And uh, I, I also think that the the name video games might have to change or maybe mm. not. I feel like, well, maybe not in the future anymore, but I feel like one of the, the main um like when you talk to random people, it, it doesn't happen that often because, again, times are changing a lot. But it's like, oh, so you play games, you know, and it's like there's something with the word game that takes away from the the digital, the, like a life-changing experience of its sorts, you know. Um, but maybe, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's just something. No, it's an interesting that, thought. I mean, we don't have a highfalutin word. Now, like people talk about interactive art, but that means something totally different. That totally. more refers to gallery pieces and things like that. You know, there, yeah. there's a reason that the Academy Awards don't talk about movies so much, or when they do, it's like specifically to to make you feel like you're in the old days with popcorn, right? Like yeah. people talk about cinema and film. There's like all these different words. Games are still kind of just games for the most part. Yes. Like with VR, I think perhaps we have an opportunity to come up with some different vocabularies. So far, we yeah. failed. We just call them experiences, which is like. What isn't an experience? That's not exactly, super specific, right? you know. <laughs> it's like uh, just plugging the VR headset is an experience. It's quite an experience right now. It's sometimes more complicated than many games. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, but you're uh, right. I mean, it's a it's a moment where I mean, I think it is to the credit of games and 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 to the credit of the people making them right now that games defy the bounds of the language we have to describe them. I think yes. that means that that is a symptom of the fact, not a symptom because it's not negative, right? It's a, it's a facet of the fact that we are in such a vibrant moment for yeah. the medium or the or the maybe several mediums that you know maybe maybe games are actually a whole bunch of things that in the same way that narrative cinema is the way most people experience movies, but that's not the only thing you can do with a camera, you know. Yes, exactly. Uh, there may be these other things that we haven't yet discovered or that we have discovered but we don't know how to call uh, yeah, exactly. You know. Because we're we're in the moment of creation, so it's it's kind of difficult to put a name to things. It's it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier about 
So I'm making all these kits of parts. What the hell am I gonna name this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're caught in the moment, and it's just you're just exploring, and you come up with these terms that then you keep on using, even though they're not valid anymore, because it's just through inertia, you know, of use, that we just keep referring to that thing as what we originally called it, even though it's evolved so much from its original use. So that's that's something really interesting. Some some of them are poetic. Uh, Calling two D objects moving around screens sprites kind of brings to mind like you know yeah. like, like fairies like or you know what yeah, like like yeah, superimposed yeah. into photographs as a hoax yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Like there's sometimes there's there's a kernel in that word that stays, but totally sometimes we just don't have a better word yet. Yes, yeah, so we yeah. just use whatever comes to mind at the moment. Yeah, it's it's funny. That's part of what I try to do here is just like find the language to describe this stuff and, and allow myself to be loose with it and like see how people describe their own work and other people's work. And thank you for playing ball and going to some weird ass places <laughs> with me in this conversation. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I, I guess the crickets are really prominent right now. <laughs> I feel like I can maybe hear them more than you and I can also see the darkness more than you. It's been like this really cool slow motion art project. <laughs> It's this day to night transition going on. It's like yeah. it's one of those oh. non-narrative films where it's just like a guy's face slowly fading into darkness, you know. Fading, yeah. Well, that's another funny thing. It's like a lot of the worlds in Sierra North Sierra West actually have day to night transitions, mm. and and nobody yet I haven't noticed anybody post a picture yet on the community hub or in general because. You know, usually you, you get caught up in exploring, going to the next place that nobody like really stays in some of the worlds too long. Yeah, uh, I'm guilty, man. I had no idea. I've been restless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll have to fire it up and check that out. There's some of the worlds I can I can send you a list so that you don't spend like half an hour, <laughs> like an hour in, in one that doesn't have that. But. I work from home. I got time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do send me a list. That'd be amazing. Actually, I'd be curious. Yeah, there's there's some of them that just go from day to night and well, day to night, you mm. know, it's just like a, a change of palettes and things like that. It's actually and, interesting to know that you think of it as day to night, right? Because it's like, I mean, they're dreamscapes, right? Like I, uh, I don't yeah. know if you've read the the Name of the Wind books, the the King Killer Chronicles, but there's like a world in there know, where there's a world in there where time and space are kind of literally the same. Like you walk one way and you're walking dayward or nightward, right? Like it's okay. some of these spaces like feel like that a little bit because of the way the light changes, but knowing that there yeah. also is like that fourth dimension of of time of is time. super oh. neat yeah yeah it's um yeah it's something that again that I, I should at some point i wanted to write up like a whole like frequently asked questions things or a guide that explains all these like little hidden things and um so I, I might... faq he says not artist statement see we're, we're still looking for the the language that everyone can yeah again be i happy said with. Fact, yeah <laughs> It's like frequently asked questions. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, I no. mean, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, games are both uh, software and art. You know, they're they they inevitably have the properties of of both. You know, and it's like negotiating yeah. how we talk about that is uh, is not always simple. But that's in my book, good. <laughs> you know, like why should it be simple? It's yeah, it's fun. But, um, cool. Thank you again, man. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, Drew, no problem. I, I had a lot of fun. I didn't even notice that we've been talking for a while now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, been, it's, it's been, been a minute. This, this was a total blast. So thank you. Um, where can people get the game? They can get it on Itch and Steam at the moment? Uh, yeah, they can get it on Steam and on itch.io. Or you can go to uh, zero north zero westcom And there's two very handy buttons there to click that will take you to either. And... Um, and I actually recently released it for Windows, uh, uh, for Mac and Linux on Itch. So now Zero North is your universal, you know. <laughs> Very but, cool. Uh, 
but probably it's going to take a while before I do that on Steam. I got to figure out some things before that. They have a more complicated certification process. Itch is, yeah. itch is the band camp of games. It's just so straightforward yeah. and amazing. Yeah, I, I need to do some. I, I I need to get my hands on an actual Mac to do the the Mac port apparently, and so that's that's something I need to, to look into. Fair enough, fair enough. Cool. Well, thank I you. Thank, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> endless complications when you're one guy. Thank yeah. you one more time. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, have a good night. Enjoy your beer. I'm gonna go have one too. Thanks. You too. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna watch a show now. Sweet. <laughs> have a great night, all right? And that's the show. Thanks for listening. You can find the most recent episode of this podcast by following a menacing but ultimately benign blob deep, deep into the high desert. And you can find every episode pretty much everywhere podcasts are a thing, with the notable exception of Spotify, because they have opaque labyrinthine review processes. Yes, Spotify, this is a call out. Oh, I just uh, sort of casually mentioned last time that we have a new URL. All of the old etao.wordpress.com links will still work, so no need to update your cookies or tweets or or syllabi. But you can also find everything we do at etao.blog. See you next time.